Hey everybody, and welcome to the first episode of Magic Wazoobie's RPG Companion Podcast, the companion podcast that's all about tabletop RPGs. I'm super excited to finally be recording this. I've been talking about it for a while. I've been talking about trying to get some RPG content into this podcast here. So I want to apologize ahead of time. If you're expecting Magic the Gathering content, I am sorry. I will not be talking about Magic the Gathering as I silence my phone. Um, but today's episode is going to be talking about Magic the Gathering in a sense that you may not be familiar with. So uh, today we're going to be talking about the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, Wizards of the Coast, first attempt at finally infusing magic and D&D together. Now, that's not the very, very first time they've done it. They did make some plane shift books on Zendikar and Estrad and Kaladesh. Um, but this is the first full campaign source book that um, Wizards of the Coast has come up with. So you can see here on the camera here. Um, sorry for any audio listeners. I'm just showing the book here. But um, <clears throat> so... Like I said, this podcast, I will say, I will admit, this podcast is probably going to be more leaning towards D&D more than anything, but that's not to say that future episodes will be solely on D&D. I do want to have some episodes based on, you know, some other systems, like I've played Vampire, um, Torg, and also another system that my friend and I uh, built from the ground up that we've been building for 10 plus years. I really want to get a deep dive into that as well, too. Um, and help. there may be some episodes where, like, I've always been really interested in Pathfinder, right? I've never played it, never read a source book or a campaign book, none of that. So, you know, that may be a system I start reading and let's go over it, right? Um, there are other supplemental books, other you know, core rule books that I may want to review for the show and just talk about like, hey, if you've played D&D, you want to check out, you know, Pathfinder, this is what you need to know, right? Uh, sort of stuff like that. But anyways, I will, I do want to say for this first episode, we do have a sponsor and that is LegitMTG.com. They have been so gracious enough to sponsor and promote this new podcast uh, endeavor that I'm doing here. Now, as I've said before, if you listen to my regular Magic Wazoobie episodes, this is not going to be a like weekly podcast or even monthly maybe. These are going to be podcasts that I spend a little bit more time working on and you know getting almost having a script in a sense and really writing down and more in-depth thoughts of what I want to discuss for each episode. So, these are not going to be these are going to be varied on on release. There's no set release schedule I have for it. It's pretty much when I have time and when I want to do it, right? So I apologize ahead for this. I do want to try to do as many as I can, obviously, but I cannot or I don't want to sacrifice the weekly show for this, even though if I had all the time in the world, I'd love to do both. But alas, such is life. Um, so like I said, we do have a sponsor for the show. It's legitmtg.com. If you are a Magic the Gathering player and you are super wanting some free shipping on orders over $2 or more for Magic singles or sealed product, check out legitmtg.com today 
and you will get free shipping on any order over $2 or more. And, that, and they also have Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon, and they do have some board games as well, too. So if Magic's not your thing, check out their Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon selection as well. I will say it's not as great as the Magic selection. So uh, thank you again, LegitMTG.com, for sponsoring this episode. I'm super excited to do this. So let's just get right into it. We're talking about Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, Wizards of the Coast's first attempt at a, what do they exactly call it? A campaign source book for D&D that's based all on the city of Ravnica. Now, if you want a product that infuses two well-loved franchises, D&D and Magic, this is it for you. And I go in saying this, I was highly skeptical of what the book was going to be like. Um, as, as I've said, I've read the plane shift guides that they've come out for the previous planes like Zendikar, Kaladesh, Amonkhet, and it's not that they were bad. They were just extremely lacking in any kind of detail or anything. It almost felt like they were short little PDFs or, Hey, if you want to run a one shot in Zendikar, here you go. And that was sort of it. It, it was sort of like, eh, it wasn't much thought or detail put into it. Um, but if you are a Magic fan wanting to dip your toes in D&D, because the same company makes both games here, and it's surprising how many people don't play the other. Um, I know many, many Magic the Gathering players who have never played D&D, and many D&D players who have never played Magic, but I've always been, my group of friends that I've had, we've always done both. Um, so, you know, if you're a Magic fan wanting to give a shot of try out D&D, this is the perfect book for you, or perfect for the DM, or if one of your friends is a DM and wants to, you know, get you hooked onto D&D, right? Or if you're a D&D fan wanting to explore a little bit more about the world of Magic, or Magic the Gathering, this is perfect for you. Now, this does only deal with Ravnica, uh, the one plane that is basically a city. I almost think of it as like the medieval version of Coruscant from Star Wars, right? Um, so, like I said, this is perfect for those kinds of people here. Uh, the book, I feel, does a great job explaining the differences of each guild and how to roleplay as a member of each. The new races added not only fit the Ravnica theme, but are easily transferable outside of this module to be used in Forgotten Realms games or other homebrew worlds that you may have come up with. Uh, the races added to this are Centaur, Goblin. The Goblin is different from Volos. Uh, the Volos Guide to Monsters, uh, the Luxodon, which is sort of like an elephant-type creature, uh, the Minotaur, a Simic Hybrid, which, think of the Simic Hybrid as like a humanoid, but with animal parts on it, animal body parts, uh, and the Vidalcan, which are tall, quiet, kind of bluish people. So before we get any further, I do want to say this. Um, I'm not going to really get into too many spoilers in the book. I don't want this to be a whole spoiler review here. I want this to be a sort of review of if you're on the fence of wanting to buy the book and, you know, maybe you want to know a little bit more about it. I mean, there are in-depth spoiler reviews out there, but, you know, I, I feel that I, I, I just don't want to do that. I feel that if you're really interested in the book, just hear a review of it, and this is going to be as non-spoiler free as I can I can be um, so those are the new races uh, I feel like they add a you know different flavor to the world because from what they say in the book the other races from D&D that exist here the most are you know humans half elves there are elves the wood elves 
drow and high elves. Um, and then there are, I want to say, I think gnomes as well too, they said. And they don't really mention halflings or dwarves too much. Because in this world, there aren't a whole lot of dwarves or halflings at all in here. And they're not saying you couldn't be one of those classes, or I mean races, but you, it doesn't fit. Right, it doesn't fit the world. But if your DM doesn't care about that, then hey, all all the more power to you. Uh, and same goes for Dragonborn and Typhlings and all that. Uh, the, they added two new subclasses to this book uh, that could be also used outside of this module as well. Uh, the Order Domain for the Cleric and the Circle of Spores for Druid. The Order Domain kind of is... Like the cleric that is also a policeman, what they would consider this in the book is what they call an Azorius Law Mage. I'm going to get into all the ten guilds and all the differences of each. While the Druid subclass Circle of Spores reads like a nice twist of Druid Necromancer and Poisonmancer. Um, really, really interesting stuff here. So what I am going to do, I'm going to read a feature from both classes here. We're going to start with the Order Domain. I'm not going to go into each you know level feature here. But let's go look at the order domain for the cleric first. Starting at level 1, Voice of Authority, you can evoke the power of law to drive an ally to attack. If you cast a spell with the spell slot of first level or higher and target an ally with the spell, that ally can use their reaction immediately after the spell to make one weapon attack against a creature of your choice that you can see. If the spell targets more than one ally, you choose the ally who can make the attack. So the one thing I really like about that kind of feature is... You're a cleric. You're not going to be a frontline fighter to begin with unless, you know, you're crazy um, <laughs> or you don't have any other frontline fighters. Because I know some clerics with the Warhammer can just and chainmail can be pretty tanky, but they don't normally deal a lot of damage most of the time. Um, so you can be the sort of cleric that stays in the back and you're sort of like the commander. You're the you're the lieutenant in charge of the group and you're ordering your you know soldiers to attack right there. And, you know, that that also really helps if you've got a really strong character, uh, a really strong fighter or monk or anything like that, and they're fighting a big creature and it's just, oh, crap, um, I don't need to heal anybody right now. I don't really need to do anything, but I'm going to use my voice of authority to make my tank or my super big damage dealer deal more damage to this giant hulking creature that I'm fighting love that love that it, it makes being a first level cleric pretty exciting especially if you make the order domain because most of the time for most uh cleric subdomains or the order domains you're kind or not order domains i'm sorry the domains of which one you choose um it's pretty you're pretty much a heal sponge you know you're pretty much a heal bot until unless you sort of go a different route with your cleric but typically clerics are healers um, they're definitely support classes. So I kind of like that it kind of changes to where, you know, you still want to heal and help out your group, but it's also a way to hey, deal some more damage indirectly to a creature. Uh, next, we've got the Druid here. We've got Halo of Spores. Starting at second level, you are surrounded by invisible necrotic spores that are harmless until you unleash them on a creature nearby. When a creature you can see moves into a space within 10 feet of you or starts its turn there, you can use your reaction to deal 1d4 necrotic damage to that creature unless it succeeds on a constitution saving throw against your spell save DC. 
The necrotic damage increases to 1d6 at 6th level, 1d8 at 10th level, and 1d10 at 14th level. So that kind of spell just is really flavorful, right? You're the druid who chose circle of spores, and you've got all these like almost invisible-looking spores surrounding you. And if someone gets near you, oh man, they can just start choking, you know, on the very air you're they're breathing around you. Or you just tell those spores like, hey, go choke that person out, or you know, let's deal some necrotic damage to them. It's just really, really interesting. And it's also kind of like a a failsafe, right? You can use that ability, say, if an enemy gets up close to you and, uh, oh, you're out of spell slots or something, right? I'm going to get my spores to start attacking you. It's a really cool thing. It's a really cool feature. I, I I really like it a lot. I I will admit I like the Circle of Spores subclass much better than the order domain compared to the cleric now i've played way more clerics than i have with druids and i usually if i'm going to be the healer of the group i'll definitely tend more towards cleric because they're typically better healers but if i'm going to go for a more sort of support heal more of a support damage dealing druid i'd probably stick with circle of spores here because it's it's very interesting um, a lot of the other level features that they get to are really, really cool. The, the way they utilize the wild shape, but I don't want to get too deep into that there. Um, you're, you're just going to have to read it for yourself. Um, moving on to the guilds, uh, as far as each guild description and background, they felt just good enough. Uh, while I personally would have loved to dive deeper into the lore of each guild and its history, it does just enough to entice the player or DM to come up with a fantastical backstory or campaign setting for your game. Uh, the the thing with the guilds, and I don't I don't know if this was just me, but each guild, it felt like they put more effort into describing certain guilds than others. Some other guilds just felt what what's a great way? The Azorius, right? Let's take the Azorius for example. The Azorius is, if you're familiar with magic, is the blue-white guild. And the the amount of detail they go into the guild to talk about, hey, this is what the guild is. This is how it came to be. This is what they do. They're, they're basically the policemen of Ravnica, right? And just the amount of detail they go into it. And then you look at another guild like the Gruul. And while the Gruul are pretty simple on the surface because they just want to see civilization topple and destroyed, it's felt like they didn't do enough justice to make it enticing to want to join them right it, it felt like they just sort of like slapped on and said hey uh we're the gruel we want to see everything destroyed okay join us and that's about it i will say another neat thing that they're doing in this book with guilds is instead of choosing a background like you would in the player's handbook of outlander sage noble um all that stuff acolyte all that you would choose a guild instead and each guild gives a certain benefits uh for your character like certain languages they learn certain proficiencies certain you know starting items and all that i mean same as backgrounds just treat the guilds as a background um and just to go over the guilds a little bit one by one the azorius which is the blue white guild uh, I, I am going to name the colors of them as, as far as what they are in magic. Uh, the Azorius are the ones who are basically the policemen of Ravnica. They're the ones who write all the laws. They're the ones who enforce all the laws. They're the judges, the Senate. Um, they're everything. Just like I said, think of them as the policemen. 
of it. The Boros, who is the Red White Guild, are the military of Ravnica. They're the ones who believe in justice and military and who believe their cause is right and everyone else is wrong um, type type guild. Uh, the Demir, who are the blue, the blue-black guild, they are secretive and work in the shadows. They're the typical couriers. Like, they control the post office of Ravnica. They're the ones who have messengers and couriers, but they also deal... Their main thing they deal in is secrets. They have secrets on everybody from the highest officials of Ravnica down to, you know, Joe Schmo down at the bottom. And they'll use that to their advantage. The Golgari are the green-black of Ravnica. They are the ones who relish in rotten death. They are the garbage men of Ravnica, right? I'm also going over like what function they serve in the city as well. They're the garbage men. They make sure that the garbage is all cleaned up. Everything is clean in the city, so to say. They typically also live underneath the city too. Now, now, like I said, the city of Ravnica is, think of it like Coruscant and Star Wars, but medieval style, medieval gothic sort of steampunk right um and the golgari would be the ones who live underneath the surface you know in the sewers um and there's like a whole another city underneath there and they're the ones who live there uh the gruel the gruel are the red green guild uh and they basically like i said they're the ones who want to see civilization torn down and torn asunder um kind of like mindless brutes pretty much that will always send kind of raiding parties to go destroy a sector of the town, right? Uh, the next we have are the Izzet, which are the red-blue. Uh, they are the ones who basically design the infrastructure for Ravnica. They're the scientists. They're the ones who are always researching to make things better. But now they've gotten to a point, the Izzet have gotten to a point where all they really do is research to make bigger explosive weapons essentially they make a lot of weapons for the boros and you know whoever else is buying as well and they just make things that go boom um the orzov the red black guild the best way i can compare them is they're like the church and the mafia at the same time so the orzov are the ones who are the religious sector of the guild they can they pretty much control all the churches and they control almost all the banks of Ravnica too. That's why I said they're like the church meets the mafia there. They have a lot of what they call debt collectors and you know, they'll pretty much own your soul if you don't pay them, if you've borrowed money from them. Uh, they only really care for money, wealth and power essentially. Uh, the Rakdos, the Rakdos, they are the red or the red black guild and they're the ones who are the entertainers. They're like the, they, they travel around in a circus, essentially. They they entertain in nightclubs and, you know, shows, stuff like that. I mean, they're probably the ones I, as far as the lore and flavor of it, they're probably the least interesting to me. But essentially, the Rakdos, their whole goal is to cause chaos and basically have, like, worship their demon lord of Rakdos. Uh, the next are the next. Next are the Selesnia who are the white green guild and they believe in the sanctity of nature. They're sort, they have dryads and centaurs in the guild who want to preserve nature. Now, like I said, the whole planet of Ravnica is one giant city. So, but there are certain sectors of that city. Oops, I hit the microphone. There are cer certain sectors of the city that are completely, 
not I wouldn't say completely covered, but are very much like nature is trying to take back um, certain parts of it. So, and the Slesnia will try to protect that and preserve that as well too. Um, last, we have the Simic, which are the Blue Green Guild, and they believe in pushing the boundaries of evolution. They they too are also scientists, but they want to see what whatever race that race's potential of evolution is so what they will do is they will constantly mix dna and genes and try to create the ultimate creation and what they what the simic also control are what is it the waterways the aqueducts of ravnica and so so that that's a general description of each guild there so the the one thing that's really interesting and fun is picking which guild is perfect for you, which guild is perfect for your character. One downside I've noticed while reading through this all is it would be pretty hard. Let's say you have a group of five players on one DM, but every player wants to be a different guild. And because they do go in the book, a good job in the book of telling you which guilds would most likely be paired up with other guilds. Like in Azorius and Boros, you can make a good case for two of their guildmates for joining together and going on a mission. A Rakdos and a Selesnia, uh, that's not too likely because Rakdos believe in chaos and Selesnia believe in order and preserving nature, while Rakdos is like, oh, let's burn it down, right? I mean, it's very much, think of the guilds as a better version of the alignment system in D&D, right? You've got your chaotic neutral, you've got your lawful evil, lawful good, stuff like that the guilds are very similar to that even though each person each guild has its own way of being evil in a sense it's just different kinds of evil and different kinds of good as well too so like i said it's it would be hard to make your whole group of players be in different guilds that are vary in their different kind of goals like I, like I said before a Boros would never get along with a Gruul um, and so on and so forth but as a DM you could make a reason why players of different guilds would come together okay there's a outside threat that's going to threaten all five of these guilds and you know if you don't handle this threat then if it makes the those five guilds weaker then the other five are going to come swooping in and take control and power because that is the biggest thing with Ravnica is all 10 guilds are always vying for power whatever little edge one guild can make the other nine are going to notice and try to stop them right so it's this always continuous vie for power everything's got to be even it's got to be an even pie here we can't have one guild getting more of that pie um so another thing that I mentioned before is some of the guilds don't feel fleshed out in the in the when they're talking about the guild selections another thing that I will say too is when the book goes into describing the different precincts of Ravnica so before I get into that I'll just mention again Ravnica is one giant city on the planet but the majority of the book talks about what they call the 10th district which is the heart of Ravnica um so the book d goes down into each precinct, and I think there are only six precincts in that 10th district. I'm just looking up. Yes, six precincts. Um, and they go into some pretty good detail of what each precinct will have in terms of neighborhoods, um, what guilds operate there, excuse me, and what to expect if you're going there at, and what certain guilds will expect to go there as well too. 
Um, and this is another complaint I have with the book where it feels certain precincts are more fleshed out than others. And you can definitely get, you can definitely notice that. I think it's especially with Precinct 4. Let me look it up here. Um, just opening up the book. Precinct 4, page 112. If I remember correctly, Precinct 4 was the gruel one where it has a lot of gruel members there. And like I said, it's not that they don't go into detail about it. It just feels like they don't go into enough detail where they just sort of briefly glance over like each precinct. They talk about you know certain neighborhoods in each one. And as I said earlier precincts, they go into a lot more detail of like, hey, you know, this is what you can expect here and this is what can happen. And it feels like precinct four, they're like, okay, this this neighborhood has this, move on to the next one. All right, this neighborhood has that. And it's sort of like, well, what else is there though about it? it, it to me, it's like, I want to know more of what's going on, but the book doesn't give you that. It, it In a way it's good because it leaves, it leaves it up to the DM's imagination, but it's also sort of like, well, I kind of don't also want to do the wrong thing as well too, you know? So you sort of have to, balance out that aspect as well too um the book does come with a little pre-planned adventure to help your campaign get started off as well the adventure is about trying to find and capture Cranko, the mob boss Cranko is a goblin and if you've seen his magic card he can make a crap ton of goblins super quickly um so the whole little what i would almost consider a one shot um is about Cranko escapes and you need to go and find him and capture him essentially um it's you start off at level one for that adventure and it takes you all the way up to level two and it could be a great starting point for any kind of adventures maybe maybe people brand new to DD. i was reading through it and it's not a bad one shot in a sense i mean the longest it would probably take you to complete that would be two sessions because the first session was maybe, hey, let's introduce our characters, get to know each other and type stuff. So I feel it's a great kickoff point for a larger campaign as a whole because the way it does end off, it gives you some ideas of, oh, hey, this is what you can do you know, if your characters did XYZ during the campaign. And that is another great thing that I really like with what this book does. Now, like I said, that's the only kind of pre-planned adventure they have in it, but they do come up with a lot of potentially interesting adventure hooks in for each guild for your characters and potential villains as well, too. Um, so it almost makes the DM's job a little bit easier to where you just choose those adventure hooks, choose a villain, and just start writing from there. Or let your characters, you know, discover and develop it on their own. You just come up with a simple hook for it. So I really enjoyed that as well, too. Um, they, it, they did make every guild feel pretty different in terms of the adventures or tasks or quests that you could possibly put them on as well. As a fan of Magic... If you are a fan of Magic the Gathering, you'll notice a lot of little Magic the Gathering inclusions and Easter eggs. Uh, you'll see, you know, guild signets, signets, guild key runes, guild charms that do different various magical spells for your characters. Um, there's many creatures that were cards are finally, you know, monsters in the book as well, too. Uh, just for example... Um, you know, we've got a lot of the guild masters that are creatures as well. We got Borgamos, uh, we got Nizit, uh, we got Lazav, uh, we got Aurelia, uh, Esperia from Azorius. It, we got my favorite one, 
my favorite one, I'll just give this one away, is the Boros Reckoner. If you remember the Boros Reckoner deck in uh, was it Innistrad or Ravnica Standard back in 2013, I think it was. Um, I, th I think it was 2013, right? Um, the the one thing with the Boros Reckoner is whatever damage you deal to it, it'll deal right back to someone else. Um, I'm remembering that, right? Hold on, let me pull up Boros Reckoner real quick, because just so I remember. So yeah, yeah, whenever Boros Reckoner is dealt damage, it deals that much damage to target creature or player. So what they've done with a lot of the cards that have certain effects is they've tried to put that as, you know, a potential creature that you would fight as well too. So Boros Reckoner, um, one of its reactions is called Lightning Backlash. When a creature hits the Reckoner with an attack, the attacker takes lightning damage equal to half the damage dealt by the attack. So that is a really nice callback to the Boros Reckoner card. Now, it's not exactly what it does, but it's a really nice callback to that. And there's a lot of callbacks to a lot of the creatures and even the magic items as well, too. The Sunforger is in it as well, um, which is really cool. Um, so to really finish up here, I feel that Wizards has done a really good job at bringing the world of Ravnica to life with D&D. But I must say, I wish they went a little deeper than they did when it came to describing more of the guilds and their goals, as well as describing the city and its denizens. I feel like it does just enough to sort of give you a nice blank slate of being able to create your own Ravnica adventure. At many points of the book, they just brushed upon certain aspects of guilds or places to visit. A lot of it feels up to the DM's imagination. While that's not a bad thing, some gaps are better left filled by the creator. And the witches wizards after finishing this this has made me yearn for a more proper campaign book i would love to see a proper campaign book like you know water deep or you know out of the abyss or tomb of annihilation set in ravnica something like that not saying take one of those and put it in ravnica but just something similar um it's hoping i'm really hoping that this is just the beginning of magic meets DD. i really hope that we see more of these kind of books here especially i love this kind of intercompany collaboration and i want to see more of it now since magic has now visited DD, the question is will DD visit magic will there be a forgotten realms plane at one point or uh, for magic can you imagine that that would be oh, i would love that that would be so freaking amazing imagine seeing tiamat as a card imagine seeing um bahama as a card um seeing you know s some of the other class a beholder as a card in magic that would be amazing and i cannot wait and i hope that happens so that is my review of guilds of uh, guild master's guide to ravnica i'm just so used to saying guilds of ravnica from the latest set uh, so what did you think? Was I right, wrong? Was there anything else you did? I, was there anything else I left out? Maybe, um, let me know. Definitely hit me up. You can reach me at facebook.com slash on Twitter at magicwithzubi on what Instagram at magic underscore with underscore Zuby. And you can email me with any questions, comments, complaints, or anything like that at mtgzubi at gmail.com. Thank you all for listening to my first RPG Companion episode, and I hope for many, many more.